Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you're having a great summer. I sure am. I just got back from beautiful Phoenix, Arizona to visit my family and celebrate my parents' birthdays. It was just great being out there with the family, but boy, is Arizona hot in July, real hot, as you can imagine. But as I've mentioned before, my wife Kristen has a prayer channel called Kristen's Crosses, where we do daily video prayers of the rosary. And so while I was out there, I decided to record some video of some of the beautiful scenic desert. But you can only do that at 6 a.m. in the morning in Arizona in July. So fortunately, I was on East Coast time, about three hours ahead of them. So getting up at 5 a.m. was not a problem. So I took my camera out to Skyline Regional Park, which offers these amazing, beautiful views of the Phoenix Valley. It's up in the mountains in the western part of the region. It was just incredible, just beautiful weather at that time of day. But when I walked up the mountain, it was actually so quiet and kind of remote that I started to wonder for a moment what else might be living up there. And so the hairs on the back of my neck started to stand up a bit until I got comfortable and got the lay of the land. It was just beautiful, just an amazing sight. Another morning, I took a drive out towards the eastern part of the valley to catch some of the sunrise, and I didn't know where I was going, but I found this Catholic cemetery right next to this water reclamation plant out in Cave Creek. And they had built this 50-foot cross made out of these big pipes, and it was huge. I had no idea that it was out there, but God wanted me to find it. So I parked behind the cemetery and took about 30 minutes of video of this cross with the sun coming up behind it. It was just amazing. I just stood there in awe and prayed. What an amazing experience. I'll post a couple of these pictures on the Advancing Our Church Facebook and Instagram pages just for fun so that you can see what they look like. You'll see the videos coming up in a couple of weeks on Kristen's Cross's YouTube channel. And that was my adventure. Had a great time. It was great seeing mom and dad who turned 75 and 80. And it was great hanging out with my brother Paul and the extended friend family. Lots of fun. Miss you guys already. But the vacation is over. So for now, let's get to work. Today, I'm pleased to welcome the Xavier Society for the Blind to our program, an organization with over 100 years of service to the Catholic Church. Today, we'll be speaking with the Executive Director, Malachi Fallon, and the Director of Communications and Fundraising, Ashleen Redigan. I really enjoyed this conversation with Malachi and Ashleen, and I think you will too. And so, without further ado, here's our conversation. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Advancing Our Church. I'm so pleased to be joined by Malachi Fallon and Ashley Redekin from the Xavier Society for the Blind. What a wonderful organization. I've been doing some research on uh, Xavier Society And I'm just so pleased to have you both on the podcast. Just by way of a a quick little introduction, the Xavier Society for the Blind began their mission over 100 years ago, providing religious, spiritual, and inspirational reading materials in Braille and audio to the blind and visually impaired and, and to individuals worldwide. And they provide these materials for free, which is just tremendous thanks to the generous support of their donors. And as I said, we're joined today by the Executive Director, Malachi Fallon, and the Communications and Fundraising Manager. Ashleen Redekin. So welcome to you both. Thank you, Jim. Glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about, let's start out maybe with the history of the Xavier Society for the Blind. I know you have a a long and distinguished history and and one of your your founder had a great impact on the philanthropy of your organization. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So we have two co-founders, Margaret Coffey, who is a young blind woman who also taught blind children and father 
Joseph Stottleman, a Jesuit priest here in, in New York City. And as my wife likes to remind me, there's always a great woman behind a good man. So <laughs> Margaret Coffey Margaret recruited Father Stottleman to help her do something about a need that she had identified, which was that children, the blind children that she was teaching religious education to CCD catechism did not have the same books available in raised print. So what we think of as Braille at the time is referred to as a New York point or raised print, did not have the books available to them in raised print. And she wanted to do something about that. So as you alluded to, in addition to being one of our co-founders, she was also one of our original donors. And she contributed, at the, it was $350 at the time, which was a lot of money for a young woman in New York City at that time to purchase the latest in technology, uh, what was called the stereograph machine, which allowed Xavier Society to produce books in raised print in larger volumes. So uh, she made that contribution, worked with Father Stottleman to co-found the organization, and uh, Xavier Society began to produce books in, in raised print at that time in, in 1900. And I can only imagine that the, obviously the technology has evolved quite a bit over the last 120 some years. How do you produce the products that you offer today? So Braille, for the most part, transcribing the printed word into Braille hasn't changed all that much. We have a certified Braille transcriber on staff. So he does that work using some technology, using some software that helps to get the Braille into our embossing machine, which produces the raised print on paper. And we do that. We do all of that here in the office for single order requests. So if we're doing a, a book or a workbook or a textbook, we'll do that here in the office. For our larger volume products, for example, the mass proppers, which we send out to 800, approximately 800 people each and every month, we do that. We, we do the transcription here, and then the production, the embossing, and the distribution is done in partnership with the National Braille Press uh, up in Boston. Wonderful. And, you know, uh, Maliki, I was looking a little bit about into your background, and, and I noticed that uh, you, you at one point were in the for-profit industry. I'm always curious as to how people get led into the mission and the work of the church. So what, what led you to the Xavier Society? So I had worked in the corporate world for about just a little over 30 years, and at the, I was fortunate to have uh, different positions where I was working with a lot of nonprofit organizations. And I always thought to myself that at some point in my career, before I got too old, I would like to work in the nonprofit sector rather than just around the nonprofit sector. So as I was planning for this career transition, I went back to school, my alma mater, Fordham University, and I, I obtained a master's degree in nonprofit leadership. And just as I was graduating from that program, I was approached about this position at Xavier Society. So uh, sort of the timing worked out really well. I, I don't know if the stars were aligning or if it was <laughs> some sort of divine you know, intervention. But That may be true there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so things just worked out for me. So, yeah. And I've been here for just over almost six years. That's tremendous. And you know, there are absolutely no accidents in life. God has a plan. How how was that transition moving? Uh, I, obviously, you were prepared 
for it somewhat through your master's uh, degree program at Fordham. But how was that transition into the nonprofit world? Because I find sometimes, you know, making that that move, especially when it comes to development and advancement, it's different than sales, right? It's it's mm-hmm. very obviously there's some similarities to it in relationship building. It's a very different animal, if you will, when you when you move into the nonprofit, especially into the Catholic world. Yeah. So I'm not to oversimplify it, but, you know, in in the corporate world, if you had a good product, it sold, right? There was Mm -hmm. demand for it. And I think in the nonprofit world, if you have a good mission, right, a really good mission, it's easy to talk about it. It's easy to publicize it. It's easy to, to ask for money to, you know, to solicit gifts. And, you know, as you said, we've been around since 1900. It's a very unique mission. You know, there aren't a lot of others out there doing what we do, certainly not on the scale that we do it. So I, I think it really resonates with people. And I think having the the mission that we do is very important. The The other part of it is, and we, we, we often joked when we were at Fordham because the program was a combination. It was a partnership between the Graduate School of Business and the Graduate School of Social Service. So people like me, coming in with a business background, we're being taught how to have a heart, right? And people coming in from the the social service side were being taught how to use a calculator, right? So it was sort of a combination of coming of coming together of the two. But I think the most important thing is if, you know, if you, you believe in the mission, the mission will resonate with people. It certainly makes my job and, and Ash's job a, a lot easier. And one of the challenges that we had was that despite the fact that we've been around for 122 years, 123 years, a lot of people still didn't know about us, just believe we knew that we could be serving more people than we were. And that's why Ash's job and and her contributions have been so valuable. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned Ash because I want to pull you in here into this conversation a little bit. Ash, tell us a little bit about your background. How long have you been with Xavier and, and what led you to this mission? So I've been with Xavier nearly seven years now. I thought it was mm-hmm. six, but then when Mal said he was, there, I knew <laughs> yeah. it was there before Mal. So yeah, that's I'm right. They're nearly seven years now. And before that, I went to NYU and I studied English, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And um, I was just kind of floating around and I was bartending and traveling and, and everything like that. And I had Bartending's just... is always a good skill, Ash. You never know. <laughs> it, that one it was yeah. great. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned how to talk to people and, you know, and and that. So I just kind of had enough of it and I was physically exhausted. And I said, you know, I need a change. And kind of like Mal, I, I think the stars aligned or, you know, God was stepping in and saying, you know, t- I, I was just on a Facebook post and I saw that Xavier Society for the Blind was hiring. And I said, you know what? That sounds like something something I could do, you know? So I gave it a shot. And seven years later, almost here I am. And and you're obviously doing a great job. I uh, just to do a bit of a Google search and looking at some of the videos that are out on YouTube. You definitely have a, a great presence on the internet and, and in social media. And so you're doing a great job. Tell us a bit about, you know, some of the folks that come to give. And I, I'm sure that uh, in, in many ways, you know, just like all of us, do- donor acquisition is one of our, our bigger challenges. But you have this worldwide mission with this long and distinguished service. Tell us a bit about some of your donors. Yeah, so we have a pretty diverse, I'd say, donor background. A lot of our clients donate to us. You know, our services are free, but a lot of our clients support us. So we have that. Um, we do donor acquisitions twice a year, as you mentioned, to 
get new donors in, you know, in the mix. And um, that's been great just, you know, to introduce new people to our mission and ministry. And, you know, sometimes we'll get new patrons out of these donors because they'll write on the reply slip, you know, I, I have macular degeneration or my mother is blind and things like that. So we'll reach out and say, hey, if, you know, if you're interested in, in our services, we'd love to serve you. And so the donor acquisition is great just to get introduced to new people. And we have a nice base of loyal supporters who have been supporting us for a long time, you know, all over the country. And we do have some international donors as well. But yeah, it's just as Mal, and he might be able to touch on this a bit more about the fundraising side of things. And it's such a great mission and it's so unique. I think it's hard to say to say no. <laughs> no. Yeah, and, and we also get a good amount of support from a number of smaller family foundations with either an affinity for organizations that serve the blind or Catholic and Catholic-related organizations. So there's sort of a, a, a smaller group of those foundations that provide us with, you know, have provided us with regular support over a period of, of years, um, which mm-hmm. which really helps. It gives us, you know, a little bit more uh, stability and sustainability in terms of what we can do in planning for the future. I would imagine FATICA, the foundation that supports Catholic activities and donors, would be a, a great resource and a great source of those kinds of foundations. So I know we've worked with them quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So we're always, you know, we're always soliciting more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, within a lot of things in life, you know, you t- talk to one person, as, as Ash, you know, mentioned, then it turns into something else and we get steered in one direction and make new connections. So sure. it's very helpful. And and I think the communications part of it is very important. You know, we talk about sort of our tagline is that we, you know, we're delivering faith and inspiration in Braille and audio or Braille and digital talking book technology. And and it's really the stories of our patrons that are providing the inspiration, right? So a lot of what we do is just telling the stories of our patrons and how they're being served and how they use our materials, you know, in their their church life and their spiritual life. Many of our patrons are serving as lectors, you know, in their parishes. They tell us again and again, how they wouldn't be able to do that without having the mass propers in Braille. I don't know if you could see behind me here over my shoulder, the Bible in 45 volumes of, of Braille. So it's things like that. You know, when we tell those stories, it really helps with the fundraising side as well. I can only imagine that it just, it must be transformative, especially if somebody is not familiar with the service that you provide. And like you said, well, maybe one of the bigger challenges is just getting the word out there that you have these services available. Yeah. We say you can, well, you can't just put a notice in the, in the parish bulletin and hope someone reads it because people we want to serve aren't reading print, but, you know, we do ask parishes to, you know, make people aware of our, our services. And if there are parishioners who might benefit, you know, get the word out. A lot of what Ash does as well is just call, getting on the phone and calling uh, the larger dioceses across the United States and contacting people at the, the offices of the ministries for the disabled and just reminding people that, you know, we're here after 122 years, still providing the materials in both Braille and now audio and the the new technology digital talking book. So it's sort of reminding people that we're still here and doing it and making those connections. 
And just in looking at, at some of your uh, your media, I understand that your your materials have made an impact on vocations too, and encouraged uh, young men who were blind and, and maybe didn't think there would be another young man who's blind who's thinking about the priesthood that that that's a real possibility for them. That's right. That's right. So we're very fortunate. One of our He's been a great advocate for us and and really an inspiration for a lot of people is Father Jamie Dennis. And he comes up and he's the main main celebrant at our St. Lucie Mass each year on December 13th. Uh, St. Lucie is one of the patron saints of uh, blind and visually impaired people. So he's been a a great inspiration for, uh, for us and for many of our other patrons and also for young men and women who are considering religious life who are blind and visually impaired. And I had gotten an email just the other day, a request from Cyrus Habib. He had been the lieutenant governor of the state of Washington and now is just finishing up his novitiate, studying for uh, to become a Jesuit and complete talk about career changes, right? So he's an inspiration to, to many people as well. That's beautiful. What are some of the more popular titles in, in your library? What are people listening to? So, you know, it's we look at this every once in a while, but um, in terms of the, the Braille, you know, the catechism, typically, you know, number one in terms of the requests that we get. We've been doing the last few years, we went through a process where we were converting our audiobook production process rather than sending out audiobooks on CD or DVD. We went to a format called the digital talking book format, which makes our audio content now compatible with the players that are provided free of charge by the National Library Service for the Blind and Visually Impaired. So people can now listen to our books on these machines, again, which are provided free of charge by the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. And what we figured was that the NLS, the library service, had distributed those players to, I think, the, the, the number that's bandied about is half a million people in the United States. We figured then we'd be able to reach more people that way. And then as we were going through that process, the other things that we wanted to focus on was the quality of our recording. So we rely on volunteers to do the readings. And then we work with, we hire freelance audio engineers to make sure that the quality meets, you know, fairly high standards. And then the other piece of it, we want to make sure that the dramatic impact of the, the reading was something that people would want to listen to. So we were trying to figure out, well, where do we get readers that would help us in this regard? And we had the idea to go to St. Malachy's, the Actors Chapel here in New York City. So it's the parish that serves Broadway in the theater district. So we have a number of volunteer readers who are working or aspiring actors. So that's helped with the the dramatic impact of the uh, the audio recordings. And then we also said, well, you know, while there's some of the books that we've been doing, or and I always say that the topics are somewhat esoteric, right? So we may get one request for a book in Braille or a book in audio. We were trying to broaden our reach. So we wanted to do books that we thought would be more appealing to more people, but still be consistent with our mission. So we've done a few things in Braille for example, Jeannie Gaffigan, the wife of Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, she had a, a, a fairly serious medical situation a few years ago, and she wrote a book about it. And it's called When Life Gives You Pears, because she had she was dealing with a pear-shaped tumor at the base of her spine. When Life Gives You Pears, and, and the subtitle was How 
how her faith, family, and funny people helped her get through this medical crisis. So she's, you know, a very faithful and active Catholic. And so she talks in this book about how her Catholic faith helped her get through that medical situation. So again, it's not really theology and it's not church history and it's not, you know, Bible studies or gospel studies, but it's it's uh, related to faith, the Catholic faith and inspiration. So we've started to produce more books like that, that we think will be more appealing to more people. Tremendous. You're obviously doing a great job of networking and expanding into the community and, and, and invoking the gifts of the community. It's tremendous. Did you say it was the St. Malachy's Actors Guild that you had tapped into? So it's St. Malachy's Church. St. Malachy's um, so, Church. Okay. Church, yeah. right. I was and just then, thinking about divine inspiration there at the beginning yeah, of our conversation. Yeah. I mean, what are the odds? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, someone's looking out for me, that's for sure. Right. <laughs> so that's tremendous. Yeah. And then also, so lately, the other thing that is sort of a new initiative, and we're taking it slowly but surely, is to produce more content, both in Braille and audio in Spanish. As you probably are well aware, that's a growing component of the the Catholic Church. Without a doubt. With all of this going on over the last couple of years, has your work been impacted by the, I mean, everybody's work's been impacted by the pandemic, probably a silly question, but so how have you been impacted by it? So we have six full-time employees. And one of the things that I always say is that like we're small, but we're a feisty bunch. So we're located in Midtown Manhattan, just off of 8th Avenue and 35th Street. So at the beginning of the pandemic, when New York State went into lockdown when we were not allowed to be in our office. You know, we pivoted and we worked remotely. And we did that for three months until the governor allowed us to come back into our offices. So once we were allowed to come back into our offices, it was pretty much business as usual for us. And during the short time that we were out, we were able to do much of our work, you know, virtually. We were able to rely on freelance Braille transcriber as well. So there wasn't much of a slowdown or a stoppage at all in terms of what we were doing. And then with the, the new model in terms of recording audiobooks that I mentioned, we're working with volunteers and you know they've been provided with equipment that allows them to do the recordings from home. So again, even though we were in lockdown, our volunteers were still able to produce new audiobooks remotely. Yeah, we were able to stay the course all during all through the pandemic. I can imagine that was an even greater service at that point, because as I understand it, you know, working with individuals who are visually impaired, there's a certain amount of isolation and loneliness that can take place if they're from being cut off from society, things that we take for granted. I would imagine your services were just absolutely imperative during that time. We've heard that quite a bit that they were so grateful that we continued to provide the mass propers. And then as you can talk a little bit about it, then we also provided quite a number of links to mass services, you know, that were available. Ash, if you want to share a little bit about that. Yeah. So Mal, you mentioned the the mass propers. It's basically the missalette. It's the readings, prayers, and responses to the mass on Sundays and special feast days that are sent out monthly. You know, during the pandemic, we continued sending them out. We have clients in over 22 countries, and if we were able to continue to send them to those countries, depending on the Postal Service, they still got their mass proper. So we heard a lot um, during the pandemic how that helped our clients who wouldn't have been able to go to mass or they might be virtually attending mass 
they were able to use our our mass proppers. And those were provided in hard copy Braille. And they're also downloadable from our website in large print, audio, and electronic Braille-ready format. So yeah, we provided links during the pandemic to live stream masses. And Father Jamie Dennis, who Malachi mentioned earlier, he was celebrating mass. The president of our board, Father Hank Hilton, he was celebrating mass. So they were able to, you know, tune into his parish here in New Jersey. And, you know, they were just, our patrons were so grateful just to be able to have their propers, to celebrate mass, you know, even if they couldn't physically go to mass. We were hearing up until like a few months ago of our patrons who weren't able to go to mass, you know, due to COVID. And we have a lot of clients who lecture and they weren't, you know, even able to lecture up until a few months ago. So they're just extremely grateful to have that resource to be able to have some sense of normalcy in their life. I can imagine. It can be so isolating and, and your service really provides them with that connection to the gospel message, but also to other individuals, I would imagine, and, and their and to their community so that they can be in community and part of uh, a part of ministry and, and a part of the gospel. That's wonderful. What's uh, what's next on the horizon? What's the rest of the summer in 2022 looking like for you guys? We're still pushing again, as I mentioned, slowly but surely with increasing the offerings that we have in Spanish. Recently, we started providing, it's not the full mass propers, but the Sunday readings in Braille in Spanish, and we're doing that electronically. We also have a number of books that are being read in Spanish. One recently was a book, pardon my translation, but it's basically 365 Days with the Saints or Accompanied by the Saints. And the author is uh, Carmen Aquinado. And we were able to get her to do the reading for us to, to narrate the book. And that was released recently. So again, we're, we're trying to build our offerings in Spanish uh, as well. And and then also working, trying to work more closely with the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled to make sure that whatever they're doing in terms of new technology, we can kind of piggyback on that. So just making sure that we're exploiting as best we can any relationships and opportunities that might arise with the National Library Service as well. I would imagine also, I mean, you had mentioned that your technologies or your readers are able to be used on these free devices that are available. I would imagine just staying up on that technology and making sure you're current with that is so critical and vital to the mission, especially with the way technology is evolving today. That's right. We're hoping to do a pilot where we explore the technology around text-to-speech. You know, I, I think while our patrons prefer to have books read by humans. Sometimes you know that could be that can be a long process to get that done. So we're exploring ways where we can be more responsive and get books into audio more quickly using uh, technology, that technology, uh, which was which is really interesting. What we're learning about it, for example, as well, if you prefer a certain type of accent, you can um, you know program, the technology to do that. So we're exploring how that might work for us. And, you know, the other challenge is because of the the nature of some of our books, the subject matter, there's a lot of theology, a lot of Latin terms or Latin derived terms. Um, so we want to make sure that the, the, uh, the technology gets the pronunciation correct as well. Yeah, so there's, a, you know, it's an interesting time. There's a lot happening. But again, we're trying to figure out ways where 
we can serve more people and where we can be more responsive to, to more of our, our patrons as well. Well, Ashley, you wouldn't be doing your job and I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you, where can people find you so they can learn how to uh, either be a part of your mission or get more information about uh, Xavier Society? Sure. Yeah. Well, you can check us out online. Yep. Um, our website is Xavier Society for the blind.org. It's long, but it's easy. Also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and you can search for us at Xavier Society. You can email us info at Xavier Society for the blind.org or give us a call. It's 800 637 9193. So yeah, we would love to hear from more people, whether it's potential clients or donors or anyone interested in our mission, we'd love to hear from. So Excellent. And I'll put all that contact information and links to your website and your information uh, in the show notes of this episode. Malachi, Ashley, thank you for all you're doing for the community of the blind and for the for the church and uh, to spread the gospel message and uh, just what you're doing on a personal level, really to connect people to one another. Uh, it's so appreciated. And thanks for being on today's show. Great. Jim, thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. And, and thank you for helping us get the word out. Absolutely. Thank you, Jim. God bless. I want to thank Malachi and Ashleen for joining us on our show today. I will leave links in the show notes to the Xavier Society for the Blind, where you can find more information about their resources. Thank you again, Malachi and Ashleen, for your wonderful service to the church, and thanks for joining us. Well, that's our show this week. Special thanks to Pottery Studios for another great show. And if you'd like to help our show, please leave us a rating wherever you downloaded this podcast. And if this is your first time listening to Advancing Our Church, I hope you'll stick around and subscribe. You can find us on all places where you download your favorite podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And for more information about our show, I hope you'll visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for more than two decades. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. I hope you have a terrific week. Take care. Enjoy this beautiful summer. God bless.